Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, We've been uh, studying for a number of weeks on uh, the mind, and Proverbs 23.7 is a a powerful verse, and then I need someone to get for me Mark 12.30. Who'll get that? Mark 12.30? Uh, Pete, if you'll get Mark 12, 30. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. Raymond, if you'll get that, 2 Corinthians 10. Titus 1, 15. Uh, Stu, and then uh, Philippians 4, 8. Uh, who'll get that for me? Philippians 4, 8. Reuben. And then uh, John 21, of uh, 15 through 19. Who'll get that? John 21, 15 through 19. Uh, Jason. And then um, Alex, John 21, 20 through 22. And so uh, Proverbs 23, 7, if you'd start throwing these up, uh, Yumi, uh, is, uh, as a man thinketh in his heart or his mind, so is he. Now, this is an incredible. Uh, if I could see in your mind today, I could very much predict what you'll be tomorrow. If I could read your mind today, I could very much begin to uh, have an advantage on your behavior tomorrow, how you're going to conduct yourself, uh, what you're going to do, what you're going to say, how you're going to relate to people, your marriage. Because the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, um, that's determining and having a powerful influence on who you're becoming. And so if you'd read for me uh, Mark 12, verse 30. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Okay, loving God with all your mind, and you need to uh, what does that mean, loving God with all your mind? And so uh, we've talked about a a number of things over uh, the last few weeks uh, concerning the mind. And uh, some of it was uh, scientific, uh, your mind. uh, Which side is the analytical, anyone? Left side. And so... uh, uh, And so uh, this is the logical side. This is the side that understands consequences. When you read, especially the English language, it develops the left side of your brain because you have to, the letters you look at look nothing like the meaning. And so the left side has to transpose that. The right side is the emotional side. It has to do with feelings, um, uh, impressions, uh, it's the visionary side. And so one of the great difficulties today uh, is that 
We live in a generation that's been raised by the media, uh, very much the visual. Uh, many of you, uh, TV was your babysitter. And so what happened is the right side of your brain developed and took dominance over the left side. And so today you're thinking uh, out of emotions, out of feelings. Uh, it's the visual side. And you're not thinking about if I do this, what's going to be the consequences? If I say this to my wife, how's this going to compute out? If I'm this kind of example to my children, uh, if I make this decision with money, how's this going to, you know, 22% interest credit card and praying for the rapture. And so, uh, uh, and so what happens is uh, I'm pastoring a generation of people today totally different than uh, 35 years ago. Okay, we, and, and so, uh, uh, and we and just kind of lock your mind in and of course we got numbers of visitors. Uh, and so why do you think the way you do? We discussed this in a couple. Why do you think the way you do anyone? Okay, explain that. She says the way she was raised. Because if you're, you're raised, your culture around you, you become a product of your environment. Okay, the culture, uh, the environment, and how you were raised. Uh, how they reacted to life. What they said about life. How they responded. Their behavior, their conduct. Um, uh, you're, you're born with a clean mental slate. There's no baby that's prejudiced. Babies aren't born with hate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so what happens is, is, is you, as you grow your family, <clears throat> how they think has a powerful influence on how you think. Explain that. Well, what does that mean in reality of life? the way that my grandmother was and the way she taught my mother had influence over me. It was training me to be... And how was that? It wasn't good. <laughs> well, I know it wasn't good, but I mean, uh, uh, people need reality. Uh, that women uh, would dominate. The women were all dominant. Yeah, they were What dominant. does that mean? They controlled everything. And it, the man didn't, a man wasn't um, necessary, basically. wasn't important. Okay, a man wasn't necessary, a man wasn't important, and I mean, the women dominated. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else you want to add? Fred, you want to add anything? No. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and we all, it's inescapable because to you, that's normal. See, that's what's, that's what's, how many here are saved? Let me see your hand. Say, what, what didn't get saved when you got saved? Your mind. This is why you can be saved 10 years if your mind's not renewed, God delivered you, set you free from drugs, uh, worked a miracle, forgiveness. I mean, it's unending what God did. But when you get saved, your mind didn't get saved. That's why people can be saved for 10 years, good people, but you throw them in the right situation and they'll revert back to thinking and acting like they're a sinner. That's what happens when you get upset and use bad language. <clears throat> I know no one here would ever do that, but praise the Lord. Just in case someone happened to drift in. And so, um, and so your family environment very much dictates how you think. This means this is going to affect how you relate to people, your wife, your children. Uh, over and over, one of the things that, and this is tragic, uh, 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 a father is an abuser 
And the child, when it grows up, is being abused. Alcoholism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what else, what else, why do you think like you think? What do you, is the question I'm asking. Why do you think like you think? And, and Alicia said family, the culture of family. What else? George. Okay, your personal experiences, uh, what, uh, give me, what does that mean? Okay, not to trust a different race. Or and whatever. so you have one person who's a jerk, okay? And they use that as, you know, and that becomes the example and the reference point for all thought and action you have towards people of that group. Uh, you know, you, things that happen to you, whether you're loved or cared for or abandoned or, uh, you know, rejected, those all reinforce or create new areas of thought within your mind. Okay, what happens to people? Many times, uh, I'm counseling people, dealing with people, working with people, is they're living out of the pain of their past rather than the word, the revelation of God's word for their future. In other words, their past experiences, uh, rejection, parents got divorced, uh, you had relationships and they threw you aside. Life didn't turn out the way you expected. And it's in these moments, uh, if you're not careful, in the, in the crisis moments, in the barren moments, in the difficult moments, in the tragic moments, uh, when, when life took a, a hard right or reversal, it's in that moment, if you're not careful, it's in that instant and in that moment that your past will dominate your thinking rather than the revelation of God. And this many times aborts your destiny. Okay, so your past affects why you think today, your family culture, what else? Pardon? Society. Uh, so uh, you will always become, I preached a few sermons on that, you'll always become like who you listen to. You'll always become, if you want to know who you are, just look at the people you listen to. Give ear to, allow them to speak into your life and et cetera. And so uh, when you're small, you, you don't have much control over this. And so your society, the media, uh, the music industry, Hollywood, all of these things. Uh, so uh, especially today, this, this anti-God, you know, uh, I just preached my Chick-fil-A day sermon Wednesday night. But, but uh, uh, here a man, he believes what I believe. <laughs> and I trust you believe. He believes marriage is between a man and a woman. And he believes that if America keeps on like it is, God's going to judge America. Well, I believe that. And all of a sudden, this, the, the media, <laughs> hate monger, hate, hate chicken and un, un, unending. So, so we have a culture. You have to understand. So you get saved. You get born again. Your mind has been, this is why Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here, that you may prove, that you may live, that you may demonstrate what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will. If you don't get a renewed mind somewhere, you'll miss God. So, we talked about a, a couple of things here. We, how, how, what's your reaction to life, to people? Are you combative? This, this is your answer. Anytime you're upset, 
uh, I preached one sermon in, about this woman on the airplane. And the lady asked her, the stewardess asked her to put her computer away. And she went ballistic. Woman went, went I mean, I mean, she, she didn't want to do it. And finally the stewardess came. She said, I want to speak to your supervisor. She says, I am the supervisor of this aircraft. And the safety of these people uh, is, is my top priority. And if you don't want to uh, adhere to that, we can escort you off the plane. And man, I, I'm watching this. I mean, this is this is. Uh, I'm like three rows back, and and this lady, she she was by the one. She stomped over two men, opened the top, slammed her laptop. Bam! She's in the front row. See, she couldn't put it under the seat. There's no back. And the guy behind her had his stuff under her seat. So I'm watching this woman, and and uh, and when we land, she she opens up, and I mean. I mean, she is she is putting off vibes. I'll never fly this airline again. I'm going to email, and I mean, on and on and on and on and on. And what is amazing? This woman was was dressed to kill. Uh, I mean, uh, she was attractive, and I looked and uh, I looked at her finger. She had a ring on. And you know what went through my mind? God help her husband. <laughs> If, if she'll do that to us, what will she do at home? <clears throat> is, that, is, that, is that your reaction anytime you don't get your way? Is that, is that how, is, where did that come from? Or some people are like Pilate, clean hands. Nothing's your fault. You love to play the victim. I'll make a statement. Victims never have victory. It takes absolutely no faith to be a victim, and without faith, you'll never please God or receive from God. They loved it. It's not my. They always have an excuse. Their condition is never their responsibility. They blame someone, <clears throat> and then our greatest defense is our denial. Okay, so Second uh, 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 Corinthians ten four and five. If you'd read that. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, what happens now is as you grow, these become strongholds. We, we, we talked about that, uh, read several books, is uh, have these neurons in your brain, trillions of them. And what happens is when you think a thought, they, they have these tentacles that fuse electronically together. You keep thinking that thought, and these, they, they keep fusing together more solid and longer. The longer you think the thought, the way they explained it, it's like it gets deeper, wider, and longer. And that makes it more difficult to turn around or climb your way out. This is why people who have thought a certain way a long, long time, it's more difficult. Thank God for deliverance. God can help you and et cetera. And so we talked about that, but the Bible calls that a stronghold. It's um, anything that gets close to it falls in it. And it's long and it's, it's binding. Uh, Philippians uh, 4.8. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there by any virtue, and if there by any praise, 
think on these things. Says, here's Paul. Says, this is what you need to think. So this tells us we have a choice. And I might add, thoughts are addictive. Thoughts are addictive. And one of our greatest defenses is denial. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. In other words, it's not me. So I, I, uh, I read an article, uh, uh, T.D. Jakes actually uh, uh, recorded this. And I, I thought it was very interesting. He caught the, the article was The Scent of Success. Several years ago, he said, I witnessed a woman who started working in the inner city with young people. They had the education to work in the corporate world, but not the social uh, acumen to match their educational expertise. While intelligent, talented, and capable, these young adults could not control their personal issues in a professional environment. When they encountered conflict or disagreement, their reaction would override their abilities. In fact, when engaged, they reverted to street anger and thinking, which was their default setting. Their defense mechanism nurtured by what they had witnessed, this is what we were talking about, and experienced growing up in the inner city, formed an emotional and mental landmine, lying dormant like a cancer cell in the body, was only a matter of time before circumstances would ignite trouble. It was fascinating to have this discussion with her as she had her finger on the pulse beat of why these highly trained people were often dismissed. They usually thought it was for other reasons, like racism or sexism. But in fact, it was a direct result of their reversion to an immature way of handling life and conflict. They allowed the anger or bitterness that we all feel uh, sometimes to hijack their rational mind and divert their career from one ascension to one of constant turbulence. The main goal of this woman's uh, counseling and coaching them was to retain the adult person, um, retrain the adult person to manage their feelings and thinking in a professional manner. That would facilitate success rather than constitute an obstacle. She offered them a lifeline as they consistently fell back into the abyss of family dysfunction. This is what Alicia's talking about. She told me her biggest challenge was getting these young people to realize the problem with how they handle pressure in the workplace. Their unreasonable outburst did not seem to be the problem to them because their default setting was the only one they knew. Drama was their only kind of normal. People grow up around unforgiveness. They see it as acceptable, do not understand the negative impact it has on successful advancement. Their mode of behavior locks them out of opportunities for which they're qualified academically, but for which they lack the people skills to fit the within the atmosphere of a corporative collaboration. All of life's relationships or process through their past. They perceive unforgiveness as a strength and forgiveness as vulnerability, never understanding that forgiveness requires the greater strength and it's a maturity of character. Also, they don't seem to realize 
that their subtle signals of protest made them undesirable for the professional workplace. It wasn't always that they swore or physically fought, but they, like little skunks in the forest, secreted signals to all around that they were perturbed. Few who worked with them could regain relationship. They can't see the bigger picture purpose, so they buried their destiny in the past. I thought that was a very, uh, very uh, <clears throat> uh, telling and a, and a, and a powerful uh, illustration. If you're not careful, uh, your, your, your mind and how it was shaped will abort your gifting, your intelligence, your, your uh, education, all of those things. Uh, that's basically what he's saying. And this woman was trying to help them. Uh, and he said, she said, the major problem is they never saw themselves as the issue. And I say amen to that. The, the most diff- I, just, I just preached a sermon in a couple of places and, uh, here, and I had an incredible response. I made a statement some time ago. The two curses of our generation, one is pornography. It's a horrible curse. It has destroyed untold millions. The second is bitterness. And forgiveness is God's revelation on how to live life. And so uh, 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 what happens is bitter people become critical people. They become cynical. They see nothing but bad. They see no good. They, they, they speak they, they don't, uh, because to the pure, all things are pure. And, and we live in an hour where you can't escape it. I, I, and I mentioned, you know, 20, 25 years ago, uh, I, I didn't, church people, I never remember dealing with bitterness. I'm sure there was a sleeper here or there. But today, it's almost everyone you talk to, they're bitter about and proud of it. It's like almost like it's a virtue. And, 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 and what happens is, um, is uh, uh, you can't survive life somewhere. It will, it will warp you. Somewhere you're processing people and God and life. David said, I would have fallen had not I believed in the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so I want to pause right there. And I've kind of thrown out some things and, and, uh, uh, and any input. What, why do you think the way you do? Okay. And so uh, why do you think the way you think? Why do, you, why do you think like you think? Why do you react to some things? So, so uh, you ever have people react and it's, it's totally out of context? I've had people, I've just walked up and, uh, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. What do you mean how I'm doing? I'm doing fantastic. Why would you ask such a stupid question? You know, I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. And I know that's a bit extreme. But uh, why do we do that, see? Reuben read, you know, how we ought to think. But why do we do that? So I'm, I'm open for a lot of, you know, a number of pastors here, different people. Raymond, wives. I just remember when I used to do that, I used to be real defensive. It was like a, almost like a protection uh, to keep. It was uh, like people, a protection. Right, to keep. Because uh, when you open up to people, you put yep. yourself in a weak position. And um, yep. when you do that, you feel like people are going to take advantage of that weakness. They take it like your kindness weakness. So what you do is you... <laughs> put that defense mechanism up with the way that you treat them and how 
close emotionally, you'll let them get to you. And then when you get when you feel people getting close, what you do is you push them away. And you don't you don't in, intend to push them away, but you, what you intend to do is you intend to block them. But the way that it comes out is just as if you're pushing them away by your reaction to the to the um, to them getting close emotionally to emotionally. So and and so when you get married, that's going to be difficult. He's not married yet, by the way. Uh, these beautiful ladies coming in from the corners of the earth. No, 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 never mind. Alicia, you, uh, uh, Alicia had her hand up. I'm me- messing with you. Right so I basically was going to say the same thing he, the way he was saying, because it's so true that um, I know when I was growing up, by living in basically the rough part of Chicago, that's basically the mentality that you're taught. You know, that you, when you cry and when you ask someone to forgive you or things like that, you show signs of weakness. weakness. And if you do that, you'll be taken advantage of in, in the house and outside of the house. So you grow up with a mentality of being mean and aggressive. Mean and aggressive. Even if you, even if you're a gentle person in heart, you can't portray that because you'll get beat up or robbed or your house get broken into so you have to have that defense mechanism of even in relationships and then it pour out into your relationships with everybody around you so it's like it's a it's a horrible situation but that's the way that you grow up okay uh dave you had your hand up and help me with the time somebody up here's got a watch oh you're in amarillo time well that's good no that's already church is over in amarillo (laughs) Of course, this is how we view ourselves in context to the world, relationship with everybody else, the scripture, to the pure, all things are pure, to the defiled and unweaving, everything is impure, is that we have a tendency to filter everyone else's statements and motives based on the way we are thinking. And so we view them, they must be thinking what I'm thinking, and so we react defensively uh, in a way that would be unacceptable. We think they're thinking something that... Okay. And so you made a statement, they'll take advantage of us, both of you, that someone will take advantage of me. Let's talk about that a minute. Where, so, so how does that compute out as a Christian? If you think, uh, how does that compute out, one, with what Jesus says, and two, how's that going to compute out? Because what I'm, my interest is, when you bring these mindsets into the kingdom of God, They hinder you from being the kind of Christian you should be. They hinder you from being effective for God in influence and ministry. And if you're not careful somewhere, they'll spin you out of the will of God. That's what he said, that you may do what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you feel, if you're raised with a mentality, no one's going to get over on me. No one's going to take advantage of me. How does that compute out in, in living for God? Let me get someone else. Pastor Rosario. Uh, I just think one of our, uh, one of the things that we're going to do if we serve God is we have to submit ourselves to God. And when, if you're going to submit yourself to God, that puts you in a vulnerable state. That means that if I'm going to give myself for this, that God's going to take care of my today and my tomorrow. So what does and, that mean? And make so, it real. Um, make, make it real. So a lot of times, uh, you know, we don't want to uh, put ourselves in that position. We want to be in control of our today and our yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, what position? Um, financial. Okay, what, um, what do you mean by that? Uh, we want to go out and work a job. We want to be able to uh, have plenty of money. We'll work ex, you know, 60, 70 hours to take care of ourselves. Um, I know in my case, you know, or, when you're a full-time pastor, you, you're trusting God uh, and, uh, you know, to take care of your every need. So people just, they take matters into their own hands. They work jobs. They, 
they um, take an extra income maybe that is not necessary uh, rather than just trusting God, believing God, putting God first a lot of times and uh, believing God for the rest. So you won't make yourself vulnerable uh, in financially. Financially could be one, yes. Okay. Uh, Someone else. You don't allow yourself to be teachable. So if you can't allow yourself to be teachable and how is God going to teach you and, and guide your footsteps, you know, you're pretty much in the dark, like you're blinded, like the Bible says, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, um, uh, so uh, he said you can't be teach- taught, uh, you can't be discipled if you can't be taught. And somewhere you'll hit the wall. And uh, you've heard, uh, you never know what's in someone until you tell them the truth, no, or et cetera. Uh, brother, you testified last night, I think. Didn't you, you testified last night, didn't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I thought you it, um, it affects your ability to trust. You, you, you don't trust God, and you don't trust the people that God's put in your path to kind of tell you what you need to know. It goes with you know, being a disciple. You, know, you don't trust your pastor. You don't trust other brothers that may have been okay, around. Okay, you don't trust you. God. You don't trust your pastor. You don't trust other brothers. Okay. And so why is that? Um, oh, so th- there's a thing that I always uh, I, I kept with me from years ago. It's called a... Uh, your perception is your reality. So what you perceive to be true will um, translate into everything you do. So if you perceive this person, all, all, my, all preachers to be, all they want is my money, per se, you know, you won't trust the, preach, you won't trust the pastor. Okay. If you perceive a church to be, you know, full of a bunch of hypocrites, that's how, you know, your life and everything you do will translate, translate out. Okay. Uh, uh, someone else. Uh, Fred? Pastor, um, and we're, what we're talking about is is uh, if you have a mindset that no one's going to take advantage of me, and the question I ask, how does that compute out in living? That, for, that, that's what I'm after, and all these are true. But I'm for me uh, uh, before uh, really submitting to God. Uh, I grew up uh, with a "hang with me" or "hang yourself" type of attitude, and uh, what that mean? What does that mean? What that I, meant was. Um, it's not like you're going to get over on me, but if I give you enough room and you hang yourself with trying to get over on me, then I got you. I'll get you back some way or another. That was that was the mentality I had from a teenager on up through my young adult years, from living in uh, environments where uh, pretty much jungle, kill or be killed. Um, but in submitting to God, I knew that with that choice, it was going to become it was going to come a responsibility for me to accept change. Something had to change, not only just within me, but in my mind as well. And it didn't come right when I got saved immediately. It took a while. It took for me to go through some things myself, to face myself, to ask God about myself, to ask God where I was wrong. Uh, and the choice in that, it 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 ultimately came to where I made a decision to allow you to speak into my life. Okay. That was the, 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 the key and the door to the hopeful change for my mind. Yeah, see, you can't submit to God without submitting to authority. See, we love, you know, I'm submitted to God. And then you, you make him say whatever you want him to say. And then, but uh, just like a wife, I've had wives, so I'm submitted to God. Well, you know, but it'd be nice if you'd submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. And so it's the same in, in the discipling in church. Is, uh, it is like Fred said. He said, uh, hope and change came 
when he began to allow me to speak into his life. And, and so that's true, see, that's true all the way up. And, and what the man, I'm a man under authority, therefore I say come, and he comes, going to go. You just speak the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. See, because I'm submitted to Pastor Mitchell, uh, brethren, board of elders, then something is transmitted down into the, uh, the congregation, uh, into same in your family, with your children, grandchildren. It, it, it's in all of life. And so uh, uh, this idea, see, the other thing that I was saying, if you won't be put, you'll never serve. Somewhere you'll put a limit. You'll draw the line. If, if you, nobody's going to take advantage of me because you can't serve. You can't be a servant without people taking advantage of you. Goes, and the more ministry you have, the more you serve. And the more uh, people rebel, people say things to you. I've had, you know, uh, you've heard me tell the stories. Kind of, I had five guys living with us one time. Well, none of them saved. One guy walked on his hands, quacked like a duck, drove me crazy. Uh, stole uh, stole uh, my, my son's piggy bank, went and bought cigarettes. I mean, he's unending. You know, people stay with you, uh, eat, ride in your car, eat your food, sleep in your bed, and then when they leave, they talk bad about you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's unending. But on the other hand, there's people here today that, that uh, stayed in our home at different times. Uh, Liz, for one. Uh, Crystal stayed with us. Um, different ones over the years. I can't, uh, Caitlin, our granddaughter, staying with us now. Dan and Alyssa stayed with us at one time. Uh, different people in some families, some not. Uh, uh, I can't remember all of them, but uh, it's true. Jesus said, what? If they ask, go one mile, go two. If they slap one side of your face, turn the other. They ought to make a rap song out of it. They slap one side, give them the other cheek. They ask for your shirt, take off your trousers and get a suit. <laughs> Open up your checkbook. See, the, the problem is, um, is, uh, is Jesus said, who is greatest among you is servant of And, and so the problem with these mindsets, like I say, is, is, you know, the face thing in Malaysia. Give me face, drop face, save face, lose face, unending. It's a form of pride. And it, I was astounded. Once they become an usher, or any, they would never go to the altar again. And I, I thought, something ain't right here. What, what's happening here? And, but it was a, my, once I have a position, I, I, I'm not going to put my face down and... and Etc. But that's that's true with mindsets, and you detonate your destiny. What time is it? Much time we got. Seven minutes. Good. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's look at something real quick. And I know there's all kind of hands and thoughts. John 21, uh, verse 15 through 9. Read that quickly. You had it, Pete. We at least throw this out and let you think about it. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to said to Simon Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to, them, he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, 
You know that I love you. Now, this is intense. I mean, this is an intense conversation. He's cursed, denied the Lord, uh, went fishing, enlisted the other disciples, and Jesus, uh, uh, you know, cast your net, and Peter, it's the Lord, swims in. He's got fish and coal. This is intense. Peter's uh, cursing Jesus to his face, and now he's, he's, he's dealing with him. Uh, you feel how intense this is? Okay. I want... Come on, Pete, act like you're singing. This guy can sing, man. Shocked me the other night. First time I'd ever heard him sing, I thought, my Lord Jesus. Go ahead. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay, now, 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 is that it? Okay, let's stop. Now, I want, uh, who's got the second portion of this? I, I want you to read this, verse 20 through 22. Now, now, now and the question I'm going to ask you, why did he say that? Where, where did this come? Go ahead and read it. Who had it? Then, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrayed you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will, he remain till I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Why did he say that? And this is John, and John wrote it. You know, John didn't forget it. He is his book. <laughs> and so, and so here's John. I mean, he Peter. I mean, you cursed him. You denied you even knew him. He's just confronted you. Do you love me? Ah, do you love me? Ah, you know? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he said. And then he sees John, the one who laid on Jesus' breast. What about him? Why did he say that? You know, he didn't just, I didn't just, hey, hey, John, how you doing? In the Greek, it's intense again. What about Raymond? You're saying they're going to, the, the verse that I didn't have him read, when you get old, they're going to bind you and take you where you didn't want to go and all these kind of things. And, uh, and he's saying all that, what, what about him? Why did he say that? And why, why did Jesus, listen, is it any of your business? If I want him to live forever, what's it to you? Why? What, what's going on here? much time what's going on I mean you just you're in this intense conversation about yourself and a weakness in there I mean Jesus earlier said Simon Simon Satan desires to sift you as wheat but I prayed for you that your faith fail not <laughs> I'll go to the death with you these guys well, I don't know about these but and now all that's come down, and he's there by the fire. Peter denied him by a fire. And he's saying these intense, say, feed my, listen, Peter, this is more than just about you. Listen to me. Listen, every pastor, every wife, every disciple, it's more than just about you. It's about your children. It's about the flock of God. Things you say, things you do, it's more. He's saying, listen, Peter, you, you can say you love me and all this, but I want you to understand something. What you did didn't just affect you. 
I wonder if there were people that cashed it in because Peter was cursing and denying the Lord. But all of this intensity and Peter, well, what about him? What, 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 what is that? Anybody? Benny? Pardon? You could see in the New Testament, in Acts, you could see Peter's problem with bigotry, pride, self-pity. Also, is that when God gets really, when, when Jesus really, I've learned this, when Jesus really starts to move in the areas of your life, you, you almost can't, you're forced to be, you're forced to deal with the real issue, the real issue of self. And, and so how do you avoid it? Was it the, what you were saying earlier too, though, this is what I wanted to say, is that if, if you're bitter and you're, like you have all those problems, it's hard for you to transcend what G, the true forgiveness and redemption you were talking about mental illness and things of that nature, people crazy. I, I've shared this before. We did a Bible study at a mental hospital, criminally insane people. And all we did was give them Jesus. And it was amazing. Pods started emptying out. People started be, being let go out of this prison because they could. Yeah, I, me- we, I remember that. We were able to give them just simple forgiveness. Yeah. We confronted them. We gave them an opportunity to. So what's them. Peter doing here, Dave? Well, what's Peter doing? Well, what about, what's Peter doing? Well, we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And I think Peter is starting to get an understanding that I'm going to have to do some heavy lifting here. What's John going to be doing while I'm doing all this? And Jesus tells him, don't worry about John. Worry about what I need you to do. And if you understand Peter's role in the church, Peter was key to the Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. Here's Peter being dealt with to go in witness to Cornelius, a Gentile, non-Jew. This is the first time, to my knowledge, that yeah. Gentiles were baptized into uh, the church of Christ, into Jesus. And so uh, John had other things. He had revelation, you know, wrote the book of Revelation. And so Jesus is saying, don't worry about what I'm going to have John do. Worry about what you need to do. Okay, I agree. We're going to have to close. Uh, I wonder if there was some jealousy. I mean, it, it, it puts that little, the one who laid on Jesus' breast. <laughs> and, and I agree with all these, and it's all, it, human personality is very common. But I wonder if there was some jealousy. And John did live a long time, <laughs> you know, the Isle of Patmos. But I, I wonder what all, and you have to ask yourself, why did I say that? Ever, ever to your wife, to your husband, to someone in the church, to... Why did I say that? Where'd that come from? And you better figure, because this is how your mind will never be renewed until you say, there's a problem. And a lot of times, we love to throw it at someone else to get it off of us. What about John? Let's, talk, let's quit talking about me. Let's talk about him. <laughs> talk about James for a minute. <laughs> no. You see what I'm saying? And so, who, who knows? We don't know what all was it. But uh, this whole class, listen, you'll never be what God has called you to be. Somewhere you'll miss God. And and this, this article, T.D. Jakes, with this account was very, uh, I mean, here uh, uh, they've been through university, educated, skills, invested, and and, and yet, because they can't relate properly. They, none of that, all of that's a washout.
God bless you. We're going to have a great morning. Pick it up next uh, Sunday. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God. 